Here at Looking at Lyme, we're on a mission to ensure that outdoor educators have the knowledge and tools to be Lyme aware. In fact, we recently released a new educator's resource. As the recognition of tick-borne illnesses continues to grow, so does the need for newly developed safety protocols and practices, especially when it comes to our younger generations. Today, we're going to the beautiful Rocky Mountains in Alberta to speak to an outdoor education teacher. Mike Hornbala, also known as Mr. H, is a vice principal and teacher at the Go Wild program in High River, which is located in the Foothill School District in Alberta. We're thrilled to have him as a guest here today on Looking at Lyme. Just looking at photos from Mike Hornbala's Go Wild program makes me want to go play in the outdoors. Mike often heads deep into the wilderness with a very excited group of teenage students to learn about ecology, the natural environment, and to help foster love for the outdoors. And being safe out there means having knowledge about ticks, Lyme disease, and other tick-borne pathogens. We're thrilled to have you with us today, Mike. Tell us about the Go Wild program at Highwood High School. Um, well, it's a program. It's I've sort of labeled that program through different schools that I've been at. And um, in Highwood, we just started off um, with just a small group and a club and uh, and started just doing sort of a couple trips per semester. And we've slowly built it into a curriculum program. And now it's expanded all the way out to um, our all of his ed classes. We do all the hikes in the spring and fall. Pretty much we get probably about 60, 70 percent of the kids in the building out in the mountains for at least one day. That's amazing. How often yeah. do you take young people into the outdoors and how long are your trips? Well, it, it varies. I'm, I mean, I, I've had trips that have been uh, like, you know, again, we try to do the, as many day hikes and we do a lot of time on the river with canoeing and recreational kayaking. But I also try to get um, out in the mountains for some backcountry ski trips and snowshoe trips. We do those a couple of times a year. I mean, obviously COVID has put a little bit of a, a, a damper on a lot of that. But we've also, I from Alberta here, we'll head out and we do um, a week uh, marine biology studies and sea kayaking in the Broken Group Islands. And I've even been so lucky as to take a group of kids on an adventure and ecotourism trip to uh, Belize for uh, 10 days. You must just love going to your job every day. <laughs> oh, I, I pinch myself every <laughs> single day that I'm out there. The kids catch me and they sort of see me just smiling and wonder what that look is on my face. And it's just the thing is I cannot believe how lucky I am and how much I love my job. Why is outdoor education so important for high school students? Well, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's important for every kid, you know, like um, I've worked a lot with uh, read do a lot of the readings around Richard Louvre and that uh, nature deficit disorder and the, the much needed vitamin N that kids are missing daily. And, uh, and, you know, also you talk about ADHD and all these different things and challenges that kids face in school and well, in life and how, when they go outdoors, it doesn't exist. You know, the kids that were the behavior problem are, are the leader on the trip and, the chance for kids instead of sitting in rows, you know, to get out and all of a sudden regain that sense of curiosity that they've always had. And we as educators, unfortunately, some ways have removed that from them by, by checkboxing curriculum instead of letting them live curriculum and, you know, and just go out there and, and let them, let them be not quite Lord of the flies or anything like that, but, but somewhere <laughs> in between there. How did you learn about Lyme disease and tick-borne illnesses? Well, my I, I, we've, I've heard about it. You know, I think everybody in some capacity has heard about it, but as far as how much you've actually kind of internalized it, um, not as many people have. And when I was probably early on, I've been doing this for almost 30 years now. And uh, 
First time it happened was on a three-day canoe trip on the North Saskatchewan River. One of my grade 10 kids, we got um, we got home and I didn't know anything about it. And the next morning after she'd um, gotten, gotten home and ready for the infamous post-trip shower, um, had found a tick on her clothing. And so I found out the day after. So that was my first sort of heightened level of awareness about it. But then on another trip, um, we were on our four-day bike trip from Jasper down the Icefields Highway to Saskatchewan Crossing. And on the third night out, a kid came screaming up to the cook shack, screaming bloody murder and um, using some language I, I can't repeat um, and threatening me with an inch of my life for having brought her on this horrible trip because of the tick she showed us uh, that was in her on her arm and had started to embed itself. And uh, so we, uh, one of the moms who was a volunteer on the trip was a nurse. And so she offered to take it out. So we removed it. And, uh, and then, of course, she had a little piece of tape after and was thanking me for this wonderful experience and this great opportunity to be out there and know how she survived this and is a better person for it now. But, but again, having it gone to that level, we did a little more research and, uh, and started to make it a bit more intentional part of our practice and our safety awareness and training with the kids. Wow, that's amazing. And I mean, it really is kind of scary the first time you find a tick embedded on your body, especially if you haven't seen one before. Well, yeah, and, and definitely to the other part, too, because you think about some teachers will say, well, I've never had that happen on my ever in my on any of my trips. But you don't know that for sure, because I don't know how many have happened and then they got washed in the clothes and didn't come off. I mean, there could have been 10, 12, 15 or none. You never know. And that's sort of because they're so small and hard to see. That's something you just uh, it's just something you can't take for granted. Yeah, that's right. I mean, students aren't really going home and checking their lint filter, are they? <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> uh, so High River is located south of Calgary near the eastern slope of the Rockies. How prevalent are ticks in your outdoor classroom? Well, where we go there and also I'm working with um, Oilfields High School here in Black Diamond as well. And um, and they were, were there close. They're about half the distance to the mountains that, um, that High River. But um, there's so much prairie grassland in around the high river area and you only have to travel about 20 minutes west when you start getting into the foothills and then immediately the train starts changing and you get to the um the more shrubs and uh the smaller trees and the, the cottonwoods and then soon after that you're into the pine and spruce and getting a little bit more into the some of the more tick friendly mountain habitat and uh and so like when we go out, um, and again, plus the other part too, you know, we're, we integrate climate change concepts and we're learning about how the growing season, our growing season in the last, I think it's 15 or 20 years has gone up a, a, a warmth level. So it's basically become a, what was further south. And so the seasons are expanding. So we have to be even more careful. And the terrain, again, being so prime and the vegetation for, for the ticks, we have to be super, super careful. Like, and we, um, and our, like the other thing too with the kids, our duty of care as educators is way higher than parents. And so we live in a world of risk management. So obviously number one and paramount is safety of the kids. But number two is um, we have to protect the programs and keep everybody safe and, and keep following all the risk management protocols and always reviewing and improving them. So we've gone to like, I have my program, we have full checklists. I read uh, the book years ago called Checklist Manifesto and uh, about a, um, emergency room in Chicago and their mortality rate was quite high and they changed it. What they did was they found there were a lot of little things they weren't doing on a regular basis. So they went to full checklist and their, their rates dropped dramatically. And so since I've become had a heightened level of awareness of, of, of ticks that we've added that as a checkbox on our list that we do um, at various points during, during the trip. That's wonderful. 
So, yeah, I've heard you mention, you know, I can tell that you really understand the different habitats where ticks might be living. And obviously, you've got a great checklist. How else are you educating students about Lyme disease and ticks? Well, like I say, you know, again, I wouldn't be an educator if I didn't say think that education was the number one and foremost way to try to reach the kids. And uh, so we do as much prep ahead of time. I've got a, a portion of my safety slides that I do, my classic Google slideshow, and we go through and we talk about those things. Um, but, um, and I've got, you know, the, the, the scary looking images and such of, of the ticks and um, try to create a little bit of a, there's that line where you want to get in the kids, um, not fear, but a healthy respect and try to maintain that. I mean, just a little bit of fear does not hurt um, for the kids, but we have this, we have all our prep and we make sure again, our first aid kits have our tick tweezers and everything are in there, but also on day of, you know, we're encouraging kids to wear the long pants and tuck them into the socks and, and, uh, and put the deed in places where, where we're most likely, based on the vegetation, we're most likely to experience them. And, um, and so when we get off the bus, then we have that next level of prep. And then during the day, we have to do, at lunchtime, we do a tick check when everybody's sitting down. And we have to be so careful. Again, I say checklist has to be there because if you don't, it's just so easy to miss. Like if the weather's bad and it's raining and you're focused more on rain gear and sort of not having to deal with mild hypothermia, um, you still can't forget about those other things. And plus, you start adding rain gear. You add a few more hiding spots and such for ticks to, to get in and uh, and jump off the bushes and get some free rides with us. And then there's also the whole post-trip part. We get back to the bus. Um, it's tick check right away. We make sure kids have a drink of water. We make sure they have the snacks, the extra snacks they brought along for post-trip for the ride back to school. And then also... Um, um, now even adding, actually, I was, when I was looking through some of your resources, I hadn't, hadn't even crossed my mind, I, which is now part of my practice, but the idea of reminding the kids at the shower time when they go home. I'm even going to use the Remind app, that online app that you can use and send the anonymous text messages to your classes and have and send it for about an hour after we get back to the school. So when kids are home, they'll they'll even do another one. So hopefully add a, another another layer. But it has to be so intentional. You can't just tell kids to, you have to see them do it basically, because if you tell kids to put on sunscreen, you're probably going to and then turn around 50% success rate. You got to see them actually do it. Now, I know you're working mostly with high school students. How, how do you think you might change things if you were working with younger students? Well, I mean, um, like I've got now this year, I've got grade seven kids and my just started just my two weeks of outdoor education with them. And they sometimes, again, you don't have the attention spans of a gnat. And uh, so I have to be even more intentional with those guys because you can't just, again, you can't be the Charlie Brown teacher where they just hear your voice and they're going to drown you out a lot of the time. I have to be even like, even a more intentional with those kids, but also, you know, just making sure that my resources um, with them, that they understand the why, because they really got to understand the why before they're going to adopt a practice. And that applies to whether I'm teaching leave no trace or safety stuff or skill-based stuff. They have to understand. And once you have that why down for them, then they, they, they buy in much better and are going to be, be able to make that hopefully part of their personal practices. Or when they go on their first family trip in the summer, that they're telling their parents, hey, you got to do the tick check. And that, for me, is the ultimate, ultimate goal when they when they actually remember at that point and they're doing it with, the, with their family. Absolutely. Young people are often the educator of their parents, aren't they? <laughs> oh, oh, big time. And I, and I love hearing the stories back from the parents. But, you know, right now, too, with this COVID and educational practices are changing anyways, but, you know, there's so many great takeaways that we can pull out of this 
scenario because more than ever, like we've got more forest schools popping up. Our school district just approved a K to six um, outdoor learning program where these kids are learning in Okotoks um, all two to three days a week. They're full days outside integrating all the curriculum. So they head down to the river valley. They do a lot of their studies down there and they're doing aquatic invertebrate monitoring or whatever program they're working on and are playing predator game, predator prey games in the woods. Then they need to be those practices. And I'll be bringing this back to my district that they need to be aware and do those things as part of their practices daily, especially the little kids that aren't going to internalize your learning, no matter how great a teacher you are. Um, you have to do it for them and you have to be sort of their thinking because those, because some of the kids have, um, under under 10, 12 years old, I mean, sometimes ticks and the concepts, you know, trying to wrap your mind around Lyme disease and that is going to be too abstract. So you have to be the the, the abstract thinker for them and, and take them through all of that to ensure their safety. Do you have a protocol for if somebody does find a tick, either just crawling on them or embedded? Well, at that point, we actually have never had to apply one, um, except for that one time. Mm-hmm. And that was more of an awareness moment an aha moment than it was a, a real hard applied um, practice situation. Uh, but now again, so basically just if we look at, at um, again, if it's, if we can find it on clothing, we'll just, we'll, we'll try to get it and take it with us and um, hand it into the proper authorities, which is another step. I've got to figure out where, where that is here in uh, black diamond where I live now. And, um, and again, for identification and awareness um, and then as well, just practicing our skills. Like I have my 80 hour backcountry first aid ticket. And, um, you know, and again, following all the procedures that we would have for that. Um, and then, of course, making sure you do a safe and proper full extrication of it. Um, and uh, But it usually comes back to me being, usually I'm the primary uh, leader. And the school I'm working with, though, I'm really lucky right now. They've actually got another 40-hour, another 80-hour backcountry person, which means that I get to start to step back a little bit. And I will just be a supervisor and I'll let them do all of the, the work that way. During our current COVID season, are you finding that more teachers are taking their students outdoors? Oh, oh, all the time. Um, we've got uh, like we're 400 kids and we've got 80 or, or probably I bet probably 25 to 40 percent of the kids are out every single day. And at the school here in Black Diamond at Oilfields, they've got um, we it backs onto the River Valley. So there's outdoor ed classes, there's rec ed classes, there's phys ed classes, there's science classes um, going out there all the time. And so um, the practice that they have to embed that, which I'm really excited about it being sort of a cross curricular, not just, you know, something you do when you're hiking on your own or you're just with an outdoor ed class. It needs to be a 24-7 awareness about it. Um, It can happen anywhere out here, anytime that you're just on a dog walk. And, you know, and even for people to take it in, like, you know, family and pets, like with my dog, um, we, we start, we have to start earlier than ever with the tick treatments when we go out. Um, but, but I, it has to be a school-wide protocol for sure. And I will be bringing that once we are able to, um, well, I mean, I'll be bringing it forward to the, to the classes, all the classes, once the weather starts to warm, but, um, but have it embedded. And even if, you know, again, the slideshow, I know that you guys have created is really good. And I would love to see them adopt some of that into their pre-trip, um, planning with the kids and, you know, you gotta have the right clothing, footwear, um, you know, leave no traces, plan ahead and prepare. And that's the most important step to having a safe trip. Oh, that's great. I was actually going to ask you next about if you'd had a chance to review the Can Lime Educators resource that we released. Oh, I love it. It's awesome. I, I could not believe the the Harvard thinking routines that were embedded in there were just fantastic. Um, and which is a great way for kids to kind of be able to dive in a little bit deeper with their learning. So I think that's, I think it's great resources. And um, 
I again can't wait to embed it into my spring spring learning. Well, that replace right. some of my my scary um, this my my fear mongering tick photos that I've got. <laughs> replace it with a little bit slight fear mongering, but more educational approach. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, we are always looking for more feedback, too. Uh, this is just our current draft that we've released, and we'll be releasing um, an, another draft uh, later in the spring. Awesome. Well, I would love to be involved. I actually, when I was going through it a little while ago, I actually made a bunch of notes. Great. Well, <laughs> love, love to hear back. That's wonderful. Uh, how do you foresee Lyme education and prevention becoming integrated into outdoor education programs and school policies? Well, I think, again, I mean, ideally, it's got to the higher level that it's adopted, the better that it is. And um, and part of that, again, is the increased awareness that people are, 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 are experiencing now. But I would love, I mean, I think it would need to be like, you know, almost embedded into the curriculum. They talk about bear safety. They talk about if you live in southern Alberta, you know, you're on the Milk River canoeing, you have to be, uh, have snake safety down there and um, certain spiders. And that needs to be directly embedded in there. And they do talk about it, but it's still at a level that's not, it's still a bit too surface um, for my liking. I think it needs to go deeper. And um, and again, the whole the, the whole holistic approach, like even with your resources, like the, the part about what is it and how do you identify it? And then how do you, you know, even write down the, the fun games and stuff like that, just so people get a bit more practice at it. And then it has to be into that next level um, of understanding. And I think like for, again, for our level, like I will put it in with my district level. Um, I've even like, I'm, I'm a educator trainer with outdoor council of Canada. Like I kept thinking like there's so many levels that they should be adopting. I'm a paddle Canada instructor, Canadian associated Nordic ski instructors, not as important as important for them, but I just think all those levels, it should be, um, made more aware and the resources that you guys have uh, put so much time into should be shared out with those organizations. So that's, I think sort of a trickle down effect from the top, from the top down. And of course, I mean, like even I was um, all ready to, to tweet out um, the podcast and stuff like that. And so those layers and it's sort of, they tell two people and tell two people. So having a social media awareness is, is really, really important as well. Well, thank you so much for those ideas. And thank you so much, Mr. H, for your time and for your leadership. Your students are lucky to have you. Yeah, well, it's a lot of fun. I think it's, 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 a, it's a symbiotic relationship, unlike with the uh, ticks. It's not as, <laughs> as happy. Thank you. That was Mike Hornbala, known to his students as Mr. H. He's a vice principal and a teacher at Highwood High School in the Foothill School District of Alberta. He developed the Go Wild program and loves getting his high school students into the outdoors. I was so impressed to hear him talk about the duty of care as a teacher and the importance of risk management when you're taking your students outside. That's another podcast of Can Limes Looking at Lime. I'm your host, Sarah Cormode, and as always, stay safe in the outdoors. <laughs>